All right, today we're going to look at chapter 38, Ezekiel 38. Tonight we will look at 39, and then we'll put them all together tonight, God willing. And then tomorrow morning uh, we'll just have a sort of a brief conclusion of everything that we've looked at and what we have considered. To review briefly, everything... Okay, let me back up. Ezekiel writes and gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us Ezekiel's prophecy as Ezekiel prophesied it. In other words, it's in chronological order. Now, he would have taken some of the things that he prophesied early and probably would have continued to remind people of certain things. But my point is, From our standpoint, everything through Ezekiel 37, for all practical purposes, has been fulfilled. The second point is, this is a prophecy that is specifically for Israel. He's giving it, he's giving it to the tribe of Judah, uh, the, the, the Jews who are in captivity in Babylon. The 10 other tribes have been lost and Benjamin is still with Judah. And the people who are there are the ones who were regarded by Babylon as the most important and the most usable people. Uh, the idiots would have been left behind, okay? So you have, you have the, the, the leadership type people, the... Uh, the, the, the the businessmen who were well-to-do, and you had, of course, the younger people. They were the first ones to go, the high school and college-age people. Um, So those are the ones who are in uh, captivity. Ezekiel is prophesying to them to answer their questions about why this has happened and how Yahweh could have allowed his um, temple to have been so... uh, uh, mistreated the way that it was and his name to them his name was blasphemed so he's giving an overview of everything that's you know how is this here we are in Babylon we're not in our land our our temple was destroyed we saw it destroyed we're supposed to have a temple we're supposed to be in our land we're supposed to have the son of David on the throne we're we're supposed to have a a, a temple uh, in Jerusalem So he answers these questions. Now, he gets to this part. To back up a little bit, of course, the prophets tell us that they're scattered. The people are scattered all over the world. But at the the close of the age, they'll begin to be regathered. And I I listened to a a Jewish man who is a Christian. Uh, We listened to him quite often on YouTube whenever he puts something up. One of the things that he noted a couple of weeks ago is that there's, there are just, there are massive numbers of Jewish people from all over the world coming to Israel. They're leaving their homeland. They're, they're just coming, unlike at any other time. So it's really, it's really a significant thing in these days. Since 1948, also, we live in the human era of history where Israel, for the first time in so long, hundreds and hundreds of years, is reestablished as a nation. So what he writes about here could not have happened unless Israel... Now remember, there is no Israel and there is no Judah when he's prophesying this. The ten tribes, are for, their, for all practical purposes as far as they're concerned, the ten tribes are lost and the little tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah are... A large remnant of them are in captivity. The rest of them are just, it's every man for himself back where Nebuchadnezzar left everything in ruins. So what he says is, we will be a land again. We will be a people in our land again, and we will have a temple again. And he talks about that after 38 and 39. But this is what affects the whole world right here. And that includes you and me, what we're going to study in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Now, we're going, I'm going to read it. It's from the, I'll just, mine is just straight from the Hebrew. So I, 
I'll, uh, I also have a, a good translation over here from a dear rabbi. But uh, you'll see here, when we talk about the Old Testament nations that are described here, this is where historians tell us these nations were back then. And we know by looking at this what those nations are called today. Now, uh, Israel is not on there because at the time that these nations were called by those names, Israel had been dispersed. So if you look at uh, Assyria, Moab, Ammon, and uh, Edom, or Ammon, just think just to the left of that, a little strip of land would be Israel that, that uh, is on the Mediterranean Sea. That would be Israel today. So we keep these things in mind, and we look at uh, chapter 38. And the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Son of man, set, whoa, set your face uh, against Gog. Sim, the Hebrew word to set, place, place your face. This is, this is like uh, when my mother used to give me the look. <laughs> Everybody here maybe knows what I'm talking about. Sometimes Pat will give me the look. <laughs> she ain't near as mean as I make her own to be. She's about half that mean. Uh, now, anyway, I'll shut up while I'm here. Uh, the, no, I'm behind. <laughs> <laughs> I stay behind. <laughs> this is the look. In other words, this is from Yahweh. This is a prophet. Give Gog the look. Set your face against Gog. Now let's first of all identify the word Gog. The word Gog is a um, is a word that. Uh, It speaks of a leader, okay? It could be, uh, this is not exactly right, but it's kind of similar to the term Caesar, okay? Or, uh, I don't know, prime minister, I don't know, something like that. It would be the head. In the case here, it's a proper noun. Uh, it's in a masculine singular, so in the Hebrew, um, there's a specific person that Yahweh has in mind but he identifies him as Gog. Gog is of the land of Magog. All right, so let's look up here, and uh, you'll see, um, well, you see the boot of Italy, right? You see that. Uh, move over from there. Magog used to be called Scythia, the land of the Scythians. The Caucasus Mountains are up there. It goes from there, he says, he continues to identify, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. Now you see Rosh up at the top? Rosh means the top of the head or at the top. So you'll see that's the northernmost part that he's talking about. But it also means that Magog rules Rosh. As a matter of fact, uh, Etymologists and ling linguistic uh, experts will tell you that Rosh, if you take, okay, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew of suffix ah means of, if you're of Rosh, you're Rosha. I think you see where I'm headed with this. Uh, Russia is the term that's given to that particular nation today that includes these tribes that we see here. Um, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. All right, you see where Meshach, I've also studied and they say, uh, these philologists and linguistic people and etymologists say that Moscow is a word that has come from Meshach. And then there's Tubal, Tubal over uh, to the east. All right, we keep reading here. And prophesy against him. We'll stop here. 
He sits. Okay, so there's one guy. There's one guy here that's the troublemaker, and he's known as Gog. In other words, leader or the the top dog, the chief dude. He's in the land of Magog. He's of the land of Magog. Of the land of Magog. The prince of Rosh. So he, he, he's the boss of Rosh. He's the boss of Meshech. And he's the boss of Tibal. So you see, we're looking here. What we're looking at is modern Russia. I don't think that's a big... I don't think that's a mystery to anybody. We're looking at modern Russia when we think about those. Now, it's interesting. The first part of the prophecy, the prophecy begins with prophesying against, and I'll just call it Russia because that's the whole thing put together. It starts there. So, so Russia would be the the chief of all of these other nations that are going to be mentioned here in confederation with Russia. But Russia is the main one. And he says, and prophesy, and he says, Allah, prophesy against him. Prophesy over and against him. So, if you want to use your imagination, the Hebrew gives the picture of Ezekiel rising up and with a stern face looking at Gog. This is between the prophet and the leader of that nation. He's staring him right in the face and he's going to prophesy against Gog. Okay. And his leadership is over all of these lands that we just, uh, that we just mentioned here. In verses 1 and 2. So you prophesy over and against him. And say. Thus, sa thus says. Adonai Yahweh. So he adds. Adonai. To the name of the Lord Yahweh. Uh, Adonai means master. It's. 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 Uh. It's to identify Yahweh as the Lord and master of Russia. He's the Lord and master of every nation. They don't, hardly any nation acknowledges Yahweh as their Lord and master. They don't recognize the fact and the truth that he is in absolute control of who, who oversees them, who leads them and what they're doing. But that's, that's just the, the darkness of, of man apart uh, from Christ. But he calls himself, he references himself here as Adonai Yahweh, Lord, I guess what translated Lord God. Behold, I am against you. I am coming to you. That's sort of, I am against and coming toward you, Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. And I will turn you around. Okay, so implied here is that uh, Gog will not necessarily begin his work as, as thinking that he would come against Israel. That's not the first thing he thinks of. But the Lord, what does it say? The Lord, I will turn you around. You, you can think of uh, the current events and between sessions, if it's interesting to you, you can just Google current events and what's happening with Russia in the Middle East and some of these other nations that we'll talk about, what's happening with them. And you will find, what you will discover is that for the first time in history, all of the nations that are mentioned here are converging. 
Uh, and here's little tiny Israel, just to the left of that word uh, Assyria and that word Moab. Little tiny Israel. It's like, what is it, like 280 miles long or something? It's, 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 like, it's like maybe two and a half counties in, in northeast Alabama. I mean, it's just, it's just not that big. And it's not nearly that wide. Uh, and yet, look how big Russia is with Magog and Meshech and Rosh Tubal. Look how big that is. It goes all the way over. And all the other things that are mentioned uh, with it. So uh, here's this little tiny place. And something happens in the mind of Gog, who is the leader. Remember, Gog is a person. Magog is the land. And so he says, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and lead you out. And all of your army with you. And all your horses and horsemen clothed splendidly. Uh, in other words, they will, they will be... Uh, ready in, in wonderful attire, they will be ready for war. All a great company, splendidly all a great company with bucklers and shields handling, all of them handling swords. Let me stop there. So these, this, these, are, the, these are the implements of war in the time of Ezekiel. Yahweh says to Gog, number one, I'm against you. Number two, I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to face you toward Israel. When you're facing Israel, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and I'm going to lead you out and I'm going to pull you. And I want you to tell all of your army to come with you. I'm going to pull you myself against Israel. That's exactly what he says. And you're going to do it at a time when you are splendidly dressed in this case, for war, because he says bucklers and shields and swords. I think we all know that uh, one of the most, uh, one of the strongest military in the, in the world uh, it would be the military of Russia. But I've also noted that they have really made advances lately. In, in nuclear missiles and in air defense systems. I, I heard, I was watching a news report uh, a few nights ago, well, maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it was said there that the, what is it called, the S-400, whatever it is, the air defense system, the newest one, is the most advanced air defense system in the world. That's what that guy said. So uh, they've developed, they claim, they've developed a hypersonic uh, Missile, which is so fast that you can't stop it. You know, there's nothing you, huh? Yeah, they stole our technology, but they've got it. See, and then they've also developed. I, I read, uh, or not, I read. I heard on a report uh, they've developed a new kind of very deadly uh, submarine. Well, they're ready to do something. All right, now let me keep going here. Persia. Now, Persia is uh, Iran, okay? It's on, it's on another, I guess it's on another uh, slide here. Let me see. Okay, well, let me go back. Um, so that we understand that we're not making this up. You can go back to the earliest of historians and, and all of the historians identified uh, the area that we're talking about as what is today known as uh, Russia. And here I have a copy, uh, a translated portion of Herodotus' uh, book for history uh, where he writes about it there. Okay, and then again, from, uh, from Bokhars Feleg in the 1600s, 
he writes about it as well. And all of that is just to tell us that, uh, that we know what we're talking about when we identify those names, those ancient nations as Russia today. Now, in this slide, down in the lower right hand, Persia, that's Iran, okay? Um, where was it? Was that verse 5? Yeah. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Okay, stop, stop there. Uh, Togama, that's Turkey. You see it there on the bottom, slightly to the right. Um, Persia, yeah, that's Iran. Togama, that's Turkey. Uh, Libya. Now, ancient Libya was bigger than it is today. Uh, let's see. I don't see it on... Let me see. Nope. Okay. Libya... Well, I don't even go that far down. Libya is right down here. <laughs> North Africa. Yeah, it's North Africa, yeah. And then Ethiopia is just below that slightly. So today there are more modern Arab terms that describe some of the nations that come out of the ancient kingdoms of Libya and, uh, and Ethiopia. All right, so moving on in verse 6, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togamah uh, from the far north and all its troops, uh, and many people with you. All right, let's stop there. So... Uh, you're looking at some of the Eastern European uh, people from Gomer and uh, Togomar's Turkey. We've identified that. We've identified all the others. Uh, I didn't go down far enough on the map to show, but we'll see that. We'll see that. In, I've got other maps uh, probably when we get into the next chapter, and we'll identify Libya and Ethiopia. But it, but you could pretty much look at a modern map and you can see all of these nations that are the Arab nations especially that are hostile to Israel and you can figure that they're going to be part of it okay now we're talking Persia Tog let's the three main players are Persia who is Iran Togama who is Turkey and Magog Ross Tubal Meshach in the land there uh, uh, all across there and Gog is the head of it these three nations today are on the brink of economic collapse, all three of them. On the other hand, Israel has either the third, help me out here, either the third or the fourth largest economy in the world. Uh, it's one of the, it's, is it fourth? I know the U.S. and China would be ahead of Israel. I don't know, maybe Great Britain and then and then Israel. But they're coming out on a, almost on a daily basis with, with new, uh, new medicines, new medical equipment, uh, new kinds of uh, small arms and air defense systems themselves. And they're selling that stuff to everybody. Plus, I think it's the largest pocket of gas in the world under their, under their land. And uh, they've learned how to, with the fracking process, they've learned how to go in and tap that gas. And uh, they're making deals to sell this gas all over the place. Well, the, here's the point. They are, they are number four and they're rising. They're getting stronger economically all the time. Uh, so today, if we just think of it today, today, Russia, Turkey, and Iran are all on the brink of economic collapse. Now keep that in mind as we keep going here. Uh, prepare and be ready. Uh, for yourself and all of your companies that are gathered about you and be a guard for them. I noticed that... Uh, in the United Nations, I think it was yesterday or the day before, the United States wanted to renew the sanctions against Iran and Russia objected, therefore, therefore did, it away, did away with it. So it's not going to happen. Well, that's like being a guard for Iran, right? 
Turkey is a member of NATO, but from what I read, it's in name only. Um, these smaller nations, they all get their arms from uh, Russia. Russia is beginning to move into Libya, which they've never done. The U.S. leaves those places, Russia moves in. The U.S. has pretty much left Syria, Russia moves in. That's just, what, to the north or so of Israel. Uh, Lebanon has just fallen to pieces because of this explosion in the last week. And the Trump administration has no interest in building up U.S. bases or anything else in that area. His, his interest is to be pulling away from all that. Well, Russia moves in. Now, okay, today we would think, well, you know, it's pretty smart. We're tired of investing our, the blood of our sons and our tax dollars and our, our strength and our, our national will. We're tired of investing all that just forever in the Middle East. That's the way men will look at it, but God sees it another way. God, God is preparing this place for what you and I are going to see has been prophesied that will, that will happen. Be a guard for them. So Russia spends its time becoming friends and confederates with these other people, and they all surround Israel, and they all have one thing in common, and that is a disdain for Israel. And that has to be in a time, from, from the time of Ezekiel, that has to be in a time when Israel is regathered as a nation. All right, so let's, let's keep reading here. After many days, you'll be visited in the, 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 the Hebrew word in the latter, it means, it means at, the, at the end of it. Uh, it means in the end day, the end years. In the latter or in the last years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from people on on the many from the people on many mountains of Israel uh, which had been desolate uh, which had been long desolate from the nations they'll, they'll be gathered from the nations to this land they've been long desolate stop there if you ever do a study not not necessarily a study on prophecy but just a study of the development of Israel, you will see a place that just a few decades ago was in ruins and it was desert. But there, there's something divine and spiritual about when the people who belong in the land are back in the land and the land begins to produce again. It won't produce for anybody else, but it will for those for whom it's designed and been given. And so much of the nation of Israel is just a beautiful, beautiful nation. I, the last time I was in Israel was in 1973. And I remember our guide showing us uh, some certain areas that had just been planted that had not been planted in hundreds of years. And he was so happy because he was telling us that, you know, this is our land and God is providing for us. But now that's a drop in the bucket to what you can see what's happening in the land of Israel. So they've been, they've been brought back, they've been gathered back, and it was desolate for a long time until Israel comes back. Okay. Uh, is brought out from the nations and now dwell safely. All of them. So the word safely is levta. Uh, it means uh, securely. So they dwell in security. They're not. Uh, they're they're not afraid. Now let me talk about modern Israel. They are extraordinarily powerful economically. You think about this. The economy of Israel is stronger than any of these other three economies. And these are huge nations. We're talking about Turkey, Russia, and Iran. But, but Israel has a stronger, has a stronger uh, economy. So 
Now, um, it's easy to see how this could take, how this had come about. We're going to see here in just a minute in the in the in the in the word word here. You will ascend like a storm, coming like a cloud covering the land. You and all of your troops, and peoples, and many peoples with you. In other words, God says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to do it. Thus says Adonai Yahweh, and it shall come to pass on that day that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. And you will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them, Dwelling without walls, without gates and bars, uh, not having gates and bars to take plunder and booty. So here's their reason. In desperation to survive, they decide that they're going to go in and steal the wealth of Israel. Now that includes... That includes this huge pocket of natural gas, which is very valuable. But my understanding is they're also fracking and discovering oil right and left. And I heard a guy say he was from, he was from Israel. He said the time could t come when Israel would be the largest oil-producing nation in the Middle East. Now you think about that. Okay? These, this, if you think of, okay, Israel... They have a strong military, but what if you put all of these together? And then they, they circle Israel, right? All of these nations are circling Israel. And God says, you're going to, he said, look at this, what the, what the Lord says. On that day, thoughts will arise in your mind. Well, isn't that something? God can make you think a thought. That don't surprise me. That surprises a lot of people. Uh, the, sovereign, the absolute sovereignty of God. Uh, and you will make an evil plan. And you will say, I will go up. And they do it for the purpose of taking plunder and to take booty. To stretch out your hand against the waste places that have now again been inhabited. And against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land. Okay, so that's Israel. Here's, here's, here's Ezekiel's point. Ezekiel brings them up to about chapter 32 or 33. He brings them up to the present or what is just about to happen in the present of his day. Then he takes them to the future and from his day to our day, about three of those chapters, four of those chapters have been fulfilled. So that brings us farther than those people were. And this is where we are today. Ezekiel, this is the next thing that Israel will need to take note of, but it can't happen until Israel is a nation. And obviously can't happen until Israel feels secure and is an economic powerhouse. Such a powerhouse that the booty and plunder from Israel could satisfy the lusts of these other nations. Now you think about that. Now the one who will be the head of all that is Gog and he'll be the one to tell the others what they can have. Uh, so when Ezekiel wrote this, there was no way, logistically or any other way, there was no way that all of these nations could become confederates. They were too far away. They didn't have jet planes. They didn't have satellite communication. They didn't have that. It had to be in a day when they all could come together and make their move uh, in a very, in a very uh, fast fashion. And it had to be a day where they could ascend and then come down. Now, keep going here. Sheba and Dedan. Okay, do we have, we had them somewhere. Uh, I got to go back. Let's see. No. Whoops. All right. No, I don't want to be there yet. No, it's back here. It's back. 
That was the first slide, okay. Let's see. Uh, previous. 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 Here we go. That is Saudi Arabia, okay? This map came from, uh, well, that's a good question. I scanned all this. This thing, the reason I get a little mixed up on the slides, this is actually from a study that I presented to a group of people and took them through the book of Ezekiel, the whole book. And I'm leaving out about two-thirds of the slides, and sometimes I have to back up and go forward and back up and go forward. Uh, but I couldn't find anything that was any better than what these old slides were from, from, that previous, uh, from that previous study several years ago that I did. Saudi Arabia. Okay, so you see where Sheba and Dandan. Sheba and Dandan and the merchants of Tarshish. Look up in the upper left. That's Great Britain. That's British Isles. And it goes down as Western Europe. And the merchants of Tarshish, Tarshish, and all of their young lions will say to you, uh, will say to you, have you come to plunder and to take booty? You gathered your army to carry away gold and silver, to take away livestock and goods, to take away a great plunder. All right, now. There's been a general belief through the years that the young lions of Tarshish were the colonized areas in the other parts of the world that, of course, didn't, they didn't have a round globe <laughs> right here. But if you look down the bottom right hand, the general belief through the centuries has been that the young lions was referenced to USA, Canada, and Australia. You can kind of take that or leave it. I, there's, the young lions, whatever it's talking about, came out of Tarshish. And Tarshish, we know, is uh, the British Isles. Um, the whole thing is to rob and steal the wealth of Israel, all the goods, livestock, and plunder it. So this is the evil plan. This is the evil thought. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says Adonai Yahweh, uh, on on uh, that day, will you not know that my people dwell safely in Israel? And you will come your place, come from your place, out of the far north. Okay, well, all right. Again, identify far north. Everything, everything directionally by a prophet starts with Jerusalem. If it's south of Jerusalem, it's south. If it's north of Jerusalem, it's north. Well, Jerusalem, uh, the city would have been just to the left of where Moab is along in there. So you just go north from there. What do you see? Well, you see all those. You see Gog, Rosh, Magog, and all that. So they will come all... Uh, and many peoples with you riding on horses, all of them a great company and a mighty army. And you will come up against my people Israel to cover the land like a cloud in the last, the end, the, 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 in the last at the end, at the end days. And it will be that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I show, show myself holy in you before their eyes, Gog. Now, the purpose of the nations coming against Israel is to steal their stuff and to improve their economies. The purpose of Israel whether Israel realizes it or not, is to glorify God. And the purpose of God is to glorify himself. Now look at this. It will be that I will bring you against my land 
so that the nations may know me when I show myself holy in you, Gog, before their eyes. See, Gog doesn't have any idea that he's going to glorify God. He, you know, he wants, he wants the gold and the silver and the pocket of gas and all the oil fields. He wants all that. And my guess is, it's not given so much here, but my guess is that, uh, that these days you would also think that Russia would have the thought of just taking over all the oil fields in that part of the world. And Israel is, is the most promising right now of them, along with that. And my understanding is that big, huge underground ocean of natural gas is a big deal. My understanding is that's a big, big deal. That's worth a lot of money in the world. Uh, so, what's the purpose of the whole thing? All right, here you know. Here, all of a sudden, God says, the, "Here's all right, let's let's analyze what He says here." This, I think, would be something like what we're looking at. God says. The whole world doesn't believe in me. They don't think I exist. They think I'm meaningless. I'm going to have to do something to get their attention. So, what happens? All of that, this, this could be called World War III, maybe. I don't know if it would be called that or not. Some people call it World War III. But this is a big deal because all of a sudden, from everywhere, these people are coming in Israel could only defend itself with the divine help of God in, in this case. Um, and God says, I'm going to show myself to be holy before the eyes of the nations. And we're going to see down here how the nations respond. Thus says Adonai Yahweh, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied in those days uh, for years that I would bring you against them. Now that's us. That's us right now in this room. And what will happen is, is that right? Oh, okay. Well, that just gave me another hour and a half then, right? We don't, we, <laughs> we don't want to do anything in the rain. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, take take the take the gravity of this little phrase, a verse. Thus says Adonai Yahweh, "Are you He?" Now this is Gog, of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied in those days for years that I would bring you against them. That's what we're studying today. Now, here's what's going to happen. Because I believe this happens, this is my personal belief, and I'm not alone in this. I believe this happens just before the tribulation, and I think this is the introduction to the beginning of the tribulation because I think the Antichrist who comes on the world scene by making a peace treaty with Israel takes advantage of the moment when these nations are crushed and says, hey, I have an idea. And he establishes a seven-year peace treaty. Okay, so I, I, think, I think that the world is still intact, and I think that at this moment in time, the church has not been raptured. That's my personal belief. But it's almost about to be raptured. That's me. You can take that or leave it, but that's the way I see it, and I've studied this a lot. So the whole world, the nations are here, and there would still be people like me. I don't know, I may be dead then, but there would be people like me, preachers, who would go around saying, this is exactly what Ezekiel said. There's no mistaking this. This is exactly what the prophet said. Well, because of the other things that we know, we also know that this would be, this would be the trigger that would introduce uh, the tribulation. So, you know, uh, Yahweh says... That he's going to say, now how is he going to say this to the world? He's going to say it through his people. And his church will most likely still be on the ground and about ready to fly away at that moment. And that's probably part of, part of the church's, the true church's message at this point in time. So excited that they're saying, 
we're about to be raptured. World, you need to get ready. Tribulation's about to come on you because of this. You know, I think that's probably what verse 17 really means. And it will come to pass at that time when God comes against the land of Israel, says uh, Adonai Yahweh, that my fury will show in my face. And, and for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Uh, surely in that day, let's see, surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel so that uh, it, the Israel shall shake in my, at my presence, the fish, the sea, whoops, the birds of the air, of the, I'm of the heavens, and this is of the heavens of the air, and the beasts of the field, and all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all the men who are on the face of the earth shall be thrown down, and the mountains shall fall down, and the steep places and wall will fall ground, uh, fall down, and I will call for uh, a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says Yahweh, uh, says Adonai Yahweh. Uh, every man, uh, his sword will be against his brother. Now, this is what makes us think that because we're beginning to touch on signs of the tribulation of the early part of the tribulation. And this is another thing that makes us think that this could trigger not only the white horse of the Antichrist who comes with a peace treaty, but the next horse who is the war where ethnic groups begin to war against each other, especially in that area because the powers that be will not be anymore. And uh, it'll kind of be every man for himself. So he goes on, earthquakes and all this, with uh, pestilence, bloodshed, rain, uh, and uh, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire brimstone, I will rain down on him and on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of the nations uh, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. In the eyes of many nations. Let me get my translation right here. And I will be known in the eyes of many nations and they shall know that I am Yahweh. Okay, so do you see what Yahweh does? Earthquake. Uh, that shakes the whole place down and great hailstones, we've talked about this in the Revelation, like missiles from heaven uh, and all of these things, uh, a flooding rain where they can't move on the ground, hailstones that probably could knock their jets out of the air and their missiles, uh, and an earthquake which discombobulates the whole thing. Uh, and they are miserably, miserably defeated by the power of Yahweh. Now let me, uh, let me, what time is it? I don't know. What time? 835. 835. 835 Central. Uh, okay, but I just wondered how long I've been at this. I, you didn't start till what? I don't know. About 830? 830. 830. You started at 830. You've been going. We've been going for 48 minutes. <laughs> All right, well, let me go a couple of more. Uh, That's what my let me go through this summary. Ezekiel sees nations forming an alliance to attack Israel. We can identify these nations today. Other nations question the attack. Now, let me say this. Uh, you may have noted in the last three or four days a big announcement that the United Arab Emirates are making a peace treaty with Israel. The word is that Saudi Arabia will be next. That's Sheba and Dadan. They're the ones who don't join in this say, wait a minute, what are you doing? They will object, but they don't have the power to stop it. So this United Arab Emirates is as, is as significant as anything we can think of 
because of Ezekiel's war. The, the, the lines between, are you for me or are you against me? Those lines are being drawn right now, unlike at any other time in history. Um, so the attitudes of the modern day equivalents of the nations of the prophecy mirror what Ezekiel saw. He then saw the attackers being defeated by God, fighting in behalf of his people. And uh, literally, we've been seeing this prophecy especially working itself out over the last 50 years or so. The first time I ever, ever heard of this, I was a pastor and I loved prophecy, but I had never, I had never studied or reflected upon, I bought a book by a guy named Zola Levitt. Zola was a, a Jewish Christian man, wonderful guy, great Bible teacher, and uh, he was a prophecy expert. And he came, he's dead now, but he came to my church. He came to us uh, in Key West and, and gave us a day-long teaching. Uh, it, was, it was just great. He's a great guy. And uh, we became friends with his wife and him. Uh, and this is the first guy I ever heard refer to Ezekiel 38 and 39. And when I heard it, it was in 1978, and at the time, the Shah of Iran was big buddies with the United States, and there wasn't any possibility at that point in time that this was going to happen because Iran hated Russia. And we had nuclear missiles in Iran pointed at Russia. Uh, and I remember Zola Levitt saying, it may not be now or appear that way now, but the time is coming probably very soon when God will make whatever has to happen, happen, so that Iran is allies with Russia rather than the United States. And through the years, look what happened. Uh, so you can see how through the last decades, this whole thing has uh, begun to work so that today, uh, Turkey has a very significant presence in, in, uh, in Syria, isn't it? In Syria. And uh, then uh, Russia is beginning to build, as I understand it, military bases in Libya, uh, as well as a big air base in Syria. And Turkey is beginning to move in the area as well, trying to protect its interests on some kind of pipeline that goes under the ocean. Uh, so. I mean, these three people generally aren't, aren't that close, to, but now all of a sudden it's like hooks have been put in their jaws and they're being brought together uh, in all of this, especially in a time when their economies are so, uh, are so pathetic. I don't want to get into Ezekiel 39 until our study tonight when we, when we complete this part of it. So, uh, so I think uh, we can probably just... Uh, yeah, this is the next thing that I want us to see. So, so we'll look at this. We'll look at this tonight.